This is an ABC podcast. On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker, and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Should the voting age be lowered to 16? It's a debate that happens every few years, but are we closer now than ever before? They have lowered the age in countries like Brazil, Germany, Malta and Scotland, just to name a few. But has it actually made a difference and will we ever see it happen here in Australia? Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Jeremy Story Carter, ABC reporter. Jeremy, do you think giving young people the right to vote would actually make a difference? I think about this a lot and I think a useful way to do it is to think about some of the most profound political debates of our time. So obviously climate policy, that's currently being decided by people who probably won't experience the worst of the climate crisis in decades to come. Even in the past week when you hear debates about housing and specifically Mm -hmm. changes to, say, negative gearing, there are no shortage of experts who will come out and they'll say negative gearing needs to change but that politically it's just too much of a vote loser and no one's going to touch it. Well, you know who would probably support changes to make housing more accessible for first-home buyers? It's young people, but they, they simply don't get a real voice. So I do think it would make a difference. And the question inevitably will come up, are young people more politically engaged now than ever before? Or is it just a select few who are vocal and do we have more platforms now? Or what if there was a trial pilot vote this coming federal election to gauge what would actually happen if 16 and 17-year-olds had the right to vote? Well, there's a push to do exactly that, and you're going to learn more about that today. So if we lowered the voting age to 16, do you think it would make a difference? Do you have a 16 or 17-year-old in your life who wants to vote? ABC Listen app, your smart speaker, and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter with you this morning as we look at whether or not we will actually follow suit of other countries and lower the voting age to 16. Would a 16 year old Jeremy Story Carter walk into a polling booth and vote and do it properly? I would like to think I would. I'm not convinced. I, I do have this vivid memory of uh, when we were 16 being visited by a group of politicians and there's a really uh, enthusiastic uh, Greens uh, member who was sort of pitching to the room, uh, we should lower the age to 16. And I remember at the time us as students looking around, thinking about this and thinking, I don't want them voting and I don't want them over there voting, you know. And that seems an unfair frame now retrospectively well, to put that on. About, I could say that about a very large group of adults. And this right? is what you learn as you grow up. And so the idea that politics is this sort of narrow thing that you have to be fully engaged with, if you flip it the other way, are there issues that you care about? Are there things that matter? Well, yes, in everyone in that room, there were th- things that mattered to them. Maybe they didn't have the language or the political kind of concepts to frame them, but there are, of course, issues that matter to them and maybe issues that matter to them more than people 30 years older. We have a panel of guests that are going to try and pull this apart today, including talking to us about a pilot program that they want to get up and running. But first, Peter's in Red Hill. Morning, Peter. Good morning. What do you think? Should we lower the age? Is it finally time to do it? <laughs> I think it's a great idea, but rather than it being compulsory, I think for 16 and 17-year-olds it should be discretionary. That would give 
the youngsters who had the appetite for politics and who wanted to have a voice the option to do so without any compulsion. So it's not compulsory, but at least they're given the option. When you were 16, Peter, would you have voted? I would have, yeah. Good on you. Good to hear from you. The Youth Affairs Council of Victoria are firmly in the camp of yes and joining you in the studio, the newly appointed CEO, Mary Nager and Derm Ryan, who is the head of rural, both from Youth Affairs Council of Victoria. A warm welcome to the conversation and congratulations, Mary, on your new role. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm really pleased to be here and to be contributing to this um, conversation. It's not the first time, right, that we throw around the idea of should we lower the voting age? Lots of people are saying, well, now more than ever, young people are more politically engaged. Would you agree with that? I would agree that young people do want to say in the issues that are determining our collective futures across uh, the range of issues that were raised earlier, climate, housing, uh, the, co- the cost of living crisis. So um, young people do want to be able to contribute to the decision making on the issues that are affecting them, potentially disproportionately. Invariably, when you advocate uh, for this, you get um, viewpoints like has just been texted through by Sam. They're still school kids. No, now more than ever, they react to the immediate. They can't see long-term consequences. I would hazard a guess you disagree with that, Mary? I think uh, I appreciate the thinking behind, uh, you know, this this person's opinion um, and I, I, I can appreciate that there will be general reticence towards what people perceive to be children engaging in in um, decision making of, of great importance um, but these young people do already engage actively in society across a range of um, different sectors they uh, can potentially earn they could uh, they pay taxes um, they can join the army at 17 they are contributing to the economy um, without an opportunity to direct how those funds are spent in terms of their taxpayer dollars. Uh, and they, they 16 to 17-year-olds, account for 2.5% approximately of the population, so it would strengthen Australia's democracy. Then there's this text that says, it makes sense, the future is theirs after all. Derm, it's happening in other countries, right? I don't know how long it's been running, but yet we're talking about Malta, Scotland, Brazil, Germany. Generally, when we say it's happening in other countries, we say the Netherlands, right? <laughs> well, Austria it. was the yeah, first well, one. But yeah. <laughs> is it making a difference in other countries? Um, yes, it absolutely is. And uh, I think the, the Scottish model is one to really look at because they were debating independence and the issue raised there. And that's how they actually lowered the vote was through young people saying they wanted to be more engaged in the discussions about Scottish independence, but they weren't able to participate in the decision-making process because they didn't have the vote. That led to a a change uh, in Scotland. So I would absolutely say that it is making a change. Uh, Greg has called through from Windsor. Greg, what do you make of the debate? Three comments. Firstly, if you're going to do it, make it compulsory because everybody else is, don't make it optional because then you're going to have when they get to the 18 or whatever. So make it compulsory, that's number one. Uh, number two, if you're going to lower the age uh, to vote, they're old enough to vote, they're old enough to have sex, to smoke, to drink, to drive cars, and the age of criminality needs to be lowered. So you don't have kids, jails, and things like that. And finally... I don't know whether we I can physically rather... lower the age of criminality. It's already pretty low, Greg, I'd have to say. I mean, that's something where we're trying to raise the age of that. Just for... No, they can't, but they can't go to adult prisons. 
Well, no, they can't, but they can be prosecuted from the age of 10. They can be treated as an adult under the current system from the age of 10. Now, Victoria and a number of other states have plans in place to raise it to to 12 uh, this year and then to 14 by 2027. But we think that's still too low. So if you're if you're using Greg's argument there, you would actually argue to drop the voting age to 14, which is where criminal responsibility kicks in by 2027. Greg, what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm talking about going to adult prisons. I think, like, you can't... When children are under the age of 18, they don't get named. Uh, they have all kind of special privileges. I, the age of criminality was the wrong phrase. I'm talking about being treated as adults in terms sure. of penalties. So, and okay, yeah. Like so if, you, if you're given one set of responsibilities, then it has to be across the board. Really good to hear from you, Greg. Thank you. Now, Malcolm's called through from Wangaratta. Malcolm, what do you... Uh, where do you sit on this debate? Well, I haven't got anything against dropping the voting age. I'm against um, the um, oh, the tax uh, write-off when you when people are buying investment. I just can't think of the word of it at the moment. But negative gearing, ne- negative gearing, right? Negative yeah. gearing. The, the problem we've got, the problem we've got, is our young children and and even young adults aren't taught economics at school, how to manage money, how the world works, how the finances work. And I'll give you a couple examples, right? Okay, you just took. You just took that singer that came to Melbourne that generated huge uh, internal economics. Taylor Swift. Yeah, but she'll take home a huge amount of money from this country Mm. and that will deplete the economic uh, long-term viability of this country. It won't have the amount of money left in this country to generate okay. stuff, okay? Now, yeah, I, I don't know um, whether they're bringing Taylor... Oh, look, I, I mean, I'm also not convinced by that. There are a lot Taylor of lo- local businesses that are pretty thrilled about the onward uh, impact of um, Swiftonomics. I, I, I think what both John and Malcolm are trying to say here, though, is if you give them, if you give young people one element of responsibility, then it's got to be across the board. I mean, Malcolm was saying that, you know, kids don't understand economics, and even though he's not necessarily... Uh, in agreement with negative gearing. Oh, look, I don't understand economics and I'm turning 50 this year. So does it have to be about economics? Oh, look, our view is that if we are to lower the voting age, it should be rolled out alongside boosting civic education across secondary schools in, in Australia to enable young people to meaningfully engage with this opportunity. I think that's a, something that we'll dive into uh, in a tick because it's really important to... Understand that while young people may not be uh, articulating things in a traditional political lens, that there are lots of ways to be politically um, engaged that don't necessarily Mm. look like that. They're they're really good points that have been raised. Um, Think Forward and Organisation have formulated a coalition around intergenerational fairness, and that's looking at economics and at policy at the same time with the view to engaging and improving participation by young people in those discussions because they are going to be impacted by all of them. This, my 17-year-old would love to vote. She's informed by fact via her subject choices rather than a party's political agenda. She is far more engaged than most eligible voters. That's from Deb in Port Melbourne. If we lowered the voting age to 16, would it make a difference? And is there a 16 or a 17-year-old in your life who wants to vote? On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. 
Victoria. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter with you this morning as we look at whether or not we should lower the voting age to 16. It's happening in other countries around the world, should it happen here. Joining you in the studio this morning from the Youth Affairs Council of Victoria, the CEO, Mary Nager, and also the head of rural, Derm Ryan. Lots of texts saying, wow, goodness, all of the voices and opinions that we're hearing so far from our callers happen to be men of a certain age. Does that make a difference, Jeremy? Well, I'm trying to do a little bit of quick maths uh, in my head, which is not something I'm particularly good at. Um, Economics is also another of them. Uh, And there's a lot of support for the idea of making it... um, a sort of opt-in system for those 16, 17. So I would say that for every one text of absolutely not, uh, kids don't know what they're talking about and uh, lack the skills or the education, there's probably three texts suggesting that um, a sort of non-compulsory voting system for those under 18 would actually be a good thing. Let's have a chat to John. John's in Warburton. What do you want to say? Look, just uh, just on a, a, a couple of the other callers, uh, uh, saying that the kids aren't engaged or, or, or they're not up to speed with what. I guarantee if you asked a lot of young kids uh, about the climate, about what's ruining this world, the, 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 the planet that they're going to inherit, they've got a very, very good high appreciation of what's going on around them and what they are going to live in because uh, if you look at the statistics now, the old people running the show haven't done a real good job about it. <laughs> good to hear from you, John. Thank you. Ed Kutch is with you as well. He's the National Director of Run For It, who set up a group called Make It 16. Ed, you've been sitting here very politely listening to a lot of this. I dare say you've heard every argument. Make It 16 is relatively new. How confident are you that it will be dropped? Thanks, Rochelle. Yeah, I'm really confident. I think we can do this. Um One of the strongest cases for me is that um, there's a significant proportion of young people aged 16 and 17 who want to vote. And um, with my organisation Run For It last year, we started to build the momentum and the capacity amongst those young people to um, do the strategising and do the lobbying themselves and really build the coordinated effort to lower the voting age in Australia. And we had a really fantastic reception last year. There was lots of politicians that told us they agree the voting age should be lowered to 16. It um, seems to make a lot of sense. And I think in in the past when we've lowered the voting age or um, when we've enfranchised other communities in our democracy, we've seen long-term benefits. So I think there's no reason why um, lowering to 16 wouldn't do the same. Those sorts of committees and those sorts of um, panels, they're often... Uh Participated in by a group. I'm trying to figure out the right language to use it to be polite. But, but at every, in every high school, right, there there are a group of young kids who are really earnestly engaged in the issues of the world, and they they cite there. There'll be a young leaders um, conference. There'll be a kind of youth committee, and there is a certain type of young person who typically um, involves themselves in that. Are we talking here really about a small percentage mm. of a school cohort or do you have the belief that this is a relevant issue for a large cross-section of, of those year levels? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of young people that 
um, are really engaged in international issues. They're really caring about um, some of the, the many intersecting crises that we face. We can see there's been the school strike for climate and there's been school strikes for Palestine recently. Young people are getting really organised. But I think the young people that aren't specifically in those movements are capable and able to vote as well. We can see that they're able to identify issues in their local community, if not these wider crises and um, able to basically see who best represents them and their values. Mm. This text is from Mike and who's in queue. It says, nearly 20 minutes in and you're not getting to facts around why this would be good and how it's worked in other places. These are just motherhood statements. I, I can't speak to uh, the exact things around where it's worked in other places, but what I would say is that none of the countries that have introduced it have crumbled. Um, so that would indicate that it has seen a change, but it hasn't had um, a massive impact, uh, be it either negative or positive. Um, but we do know that what it will produce is a more engaged uh, number of young people in a range of issues that they care about because there are responsibilities that come with voting. The potential for us to also shift some funding into real civics education, whether it be through school systems or through the community, would be a really good thing. Young people continually are telling us they don't know how to vote. It's not about who to vote for, it's about what actually happens when you walk in? No one's explained it. No one's explained how the I vote works. Got, I, I had to just fumble my way And And while we it. leave the age at 18, we don't prepare people for it. If we lowered the age, there would be an imperative for the education system to be informing people about what's happening in their 16 and 17 years at school. How would it make a difference though, Mary? I mean, Mike in Q, it's a good point that he raises. If we did it... What difference would it make? Um, that's a great question, Mike. Uh, look, I think young people are, are really interested, increasingly interested in the myriad of different challenges that are impacting them. And so their ability to engage in determining which decision makers and what positions are taken by government is imperative. Uh, as I said earlier, um, you know, the climate crisis is particularly prevalent among young people. Climate anxiety is real. And that is only going to be alleviated by an an opportunity to engage in in how we meet that challenge. Is there a sense that um, you know you can have tens of thousands of young people marching for say stronger climate action, but ultimately, uh, from a political le level, if there if those aren't voters as of now, you don't really need to be politically responsive to that cohort. You can just say we acknowledge you, we see you, but. That's not really going to affect how policy is shaped. Is, is that the sense you get from young people? Precisely. I think it speaks to the point of intergenerational justice and ha taking a longer view as to what, how policies mm. will impact the broader population. And if the, popula the voting age population is skewed towards um, those who won't benefit, for instance, from um, policies that do take a long-term view, then we should really seriously re-examine um, lowering oh, I, the voting age. You've touched on something, though, like when we talk intergenerational, right? So a lot of this depends on 
the home that you grow up in and whether or not your parents are politically engaged, whether or not you the socioeconomics behind your family. I grew up in a household where politics was never discussed, not because they hated discussing politics, just because I don't think they even cared about politics. And I will remember the first time I went to a home and I sat around the dinner table, which was novel within itself, right, because I was used to you know eating in the lounge room, and they were discussing politics. I was like, oh, my God. God, who are these fancy people? So not you can't expect that everyone is going to be politically engaged. And then those that are, you know, they might be able to be relying on the bank of mum and dad, for example, for, for their home. So this is really nuanced. But coming back to civics education, that's an opportunity to inform mum and dad as well. Your 16 and 17-year-olds are going to be informed about how to vote. We want you to know what is happening in the classroom or in the community about these discussions and here is that. So it's an opportunity to raise everybody's understanding of how Mm. the system works. Rich, we've had so many fantastic contributions on the text line, but I just wanted to read out a kind of there's a there's a bracket that are starting to appear, and I think mm-hmm. it's particularly a pertinent. vibe. A vibe. <laughs> um, so Greg from Bo Morris says, "I am 67 and very much in favour of lowering the vo- lowering the voting age to 16. In my experience, many teen- teenagers have insight and opinions when you sit down and chat with them." Uh, Lynn, 74-year-old woman here, voting for 16 and 17-year-olds should be optional so they will be engaged to vote. Carol, as a 77-year-old, I feel we've stuffed up this planet and I'm all in favour of 16 and over having the vote. They can't do any worse than we have. Before we go to Corriong, let's have a chat to Peter, who's in Violet Town. I'd like, just like to say that I think that the voting age should be lowered, but only for people who pay... You don't pay tax, you don't get a vote. Uh, I was forced to go into the army at the age of 20 and I wasn't allowed to vote at that stage because the voting age was 21. It's not Um, a great line, Peter, so we're going to leave it there. What do you think? If you pay tax? Currently there are lots of people that don't pay tax that still have the, the right to vote. Um, and I, I think that we just need to enshrine something that, that holds that fairly. Um, just because you're not contributing via a tax system doesn't mean that you're not contributing. This, if a 15-year-old has their birthday the day after the election, they can't vote for four years. Currently, a percentage of the people do not have the opportunity to vote until they're 22. Lower the voting age, says this text. ABC Listen app, your smart speaker, and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter with you as we talk about lowering the voting age from the Youth Affairs Council of Victoria, Mary Nager and Derm Ryan. Ed Kutch as well, the National Director of Run For It, who are part of setting up Make It 16. Let's go to the beautiful town of Corriong, where Josh Viljadon is one of the youth team members there working uh, very closely at the Corriong Neighbourhood Centre. Josh... Why is it important not only for young people who you work with, but the young people of Corriong, do you believe, to have the right to vote? I think it's incredibly important. Um, for a town like Corriong, we're already feeling quite isolated anyway. And um, the town's population um, does tend to be on the older end of the scale. So when we talk about issues in town, it, it does tend to be dominated by those older voices. So for groups of kids in school, the conversation doesn't really tend to... You just don't feel heard. One of the biggest things, I think, as well, um, that has been discussed by the panel is civics education. Having a decent chance to 
bring the national conversation um, towards looking at improving civics education. And if you start mm. enriching kids with greater civics education, it enriches the entire family and then the entire community. It's like a flow-on effect. We debated this, um, oh, I think it was back in 2016 or 2017 in New South Wales Parliament. So this idea has been going for ages. And back then we were talking about a sort of non-compulsory run-up period from 16 and 17, kind of similar to how on our, like we're driving at 16, but we're on our L's, right? Mm. So we have that sort of... Um, okay, training. so take the learner sort of probationary concept. Josh, I would switch it around and go compulsory though. Oh. I've changed since then. Why is that? The reason why we have compulsory voting in Australia is because of Condorcet's theorem, which is essentially that mass involvement in your political system brings the best political system. And that is totally correct. So if you teach kids from, um, sorry, I'd say young people, because 16 and 17 year olds, they are very much young people. If you're teaching them that it's non-compulsory, then some of those habits will tend to stick. So you do want to just go compulsory from the get-go. Um, and again, if you marry that together with a really, really good, healthy dose of civics education in schools, it's just a recipe for um, a better Australia, I reckon. Josh, there's a bit of a, um archetype that's sort of thought of when it comes to politically engaged young people, and there's even a suggestion on the text line a few times over that even having this conversation is innately a left-wing conversation, that being 16, 17, 18, uh, and voting would be innately a left-wing idea. You're in Coryong, you're talking to young people, it's a very different part of the world to uh, inner city Melbourne. Are those sort of stereotypes true or is it a little bit more nuanced to it? Definitely more nuanced. I wouldn't say that... um, It's hard to tell because, I mean, each town is is different to the next, but I'd find that Coryong's got a a, a brilliant um, diversity just because, again, politics can be quite a family thing in a smaller town. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it does pass through the family, so it is much more of a smorgasbord than just your typical young, your left, older, you're heading towards the right. I'd, I'd I'd actually say that if you brought the voting age down, you would just actually increase more diversity in the voting pool, right? So younger people don't have a really great idea on um, economics because they're not wealth holders we haven't had training in holding wealth so but what we have had training in is exploring our environments and understanding mm-hmm. the basic science behind if you continue to wreck the climate it is going to be terrible for it's a really really um deep set i don't know story you're voting for your future i mean that's yeah, the difference yeah exactly we're inheriting something that um that and there will always be those that are more engaged than others. Josh, thank you. Thanks so much for speaking sort of, you know, on behalf of a lot of the young people of Coryong. We really appreciate your time. This text is from Paula. It says it's not just rich people who talk politics with their kids. We do it all the time. I'm a nurse. My husband is a public servant. But my husband is Irish. And in Australia, the culture is often not to talk about politics. The Irish discuss politics. So I wonder how much of this conversation actually comes back to because i can remember being 
gosh, in mid-30s and having the local guy at my supermarket who English was his second language and it was the day of the election and he asked me who I voted for. And I was like, whoa, never been asked that before. (laughs) (laughs) And, And it's worth remembering that when we talk about the sort of as if it's a pejorative that, you know, a single issue or a couple of issues really matter to you, um, as if that's somehow a bad thing. I mean, that is what we find. We, we spend a couple of years breathlessly documenting politics and then when it comes election time, we find out that people are often voting along just a couple of issue lines. Um, Ed, I'm interested, as the National Director uh, of Run for it, there's... there's sort of a bit of a suggestion that oh, one of the reasons young younger people shouldn't uh, vote is because they're not they're going to be influenced by things that aren't their own thoughts so be that if they're in there was even a suggestion on the text line that if they're in a state school they're going to have a certain sort of mm. idea pushed upon them or as um, Josh has just suggested if maybe they're in a conservative family a left-leaning family a whatever family that is going to feed into their own politics again as if that's not something that sort of happens anyway anyway I'm interested to know what you think about that and whether there is some distinct difference between being a 16-year-old, say, versus an 18, 19-year-old. Yeah, for sure. No, I think there's no substantial difference between um, an 18 or 19-year-old and a 16 or 17-year-old. I think that even older than 18 or 19, lots of uh, lots of older people are influenced by all kinds of things when they go to vote. And I'd actually even say that 16 and 17-year-olds with the education system around them are probably in a better place to um, have their critical learning skills in practice and able to um, look at all the um, how to vote cards and policies of the different parties and um, cast a really informed decision. The other thing that I would add is um, we've got obviously three levels of government in Australia and it may be that young people don't have heaps and heaps of awareness around all the federal issues or even state, but um, some of the things Josh was talking about in Koryong, I'm sure the young people um, in Koryong would probably be able to inform a lot of the council decisions. They're the young people who are um, using the libraries, using the swimming pools and that kind of thing. And um, Victoria has some local government elections this year, so um, Mm. it's a great opportunity. So in terms of great opportunity, and there's lots of, well, how do we know it would make a difference? You know, how do we know why we are doing this? The Youth Affairs Council of Victoria, you guys have got an idea, right? You would think, okay, well, let's actually try and figure this out. Let's we maybe- have a few ideas, Rachel. <laughs> but this one in particular, yes. It's a pilot, it's right? A, yeah. We're, we think that there's an opportunity to run uh, a pilot where you actually would pick up a f- couple of seats bring in some media partners, look at getting philanthropists involved and actually run a test where people are encouraged to enrol to vote, where their votes are they're provided with civics education so they know what the system is that they're voting in and participating in and how it works. Their votes are counted but not recorded in the national telly. But because you've got the count, uh, you can actually see what difference that would make. Um, I, we think it's an idea that has legs. It's not fully formed, but we're absolutely keen to see whether there are people that are wanting to participate in this. When you think about something like Climate 200 and what they did in the last federal election by supporting the Teals, that had a very, very profound impact on this country. So the role for philanthropy to pick up a really good idea based from the community Mm -hmm. to say, we want to see some change here, supported, promoted, 
And then ultimately the change happened in a number of places. Mary, as the new CEO, when you were only appointed to this incredible role in January of this year, what an amazing legacy you would have if that was something that you could get up and running. Do you think it would... I mean, is that a way? Because otherwise, it feels like we talk about this forever, right? Will we just keep talking about it until we get some facts to show here's how it would make a difference, here's how many young people would throw their hands up and then, you know, and they're going to do it properly? Do you need this pilot? Yeah, as Jem said, I think it would be an incredible opportunity to really test out this theory and, and get a sense of um, where young people sit on this issue. And, and grassroots initiatives, I think, with ownership from community are probably the best way forward. So um, strongly encourage any listeners out there, if you're interested or in participating or collaborating on this piece, please do reach out to, to YACVIC, the Youth Affairs Council of Victoria. It's interesting... I reckon even those who sort of just dismiss the idea or think that this, there isn't a value in it, <clears throat> pardon me, would be really interested to see the results of something like that and more broadly would be supportive of the idea that if you're a young person and you're engaging even in local government, even if it's you know funding or maintaining of a local creek or a bit of infrastructure or services that might help the local community, it's hard to mm. see how that would be a bad idea. Chris has called through from Alfington. Chris, what did you want to share with the conversation? Hi, Hi there. Thanks for having me. Um, I just thought I would... It feels strange to me that we're applying uh, a level to 16, 17-year-olds that we don't necessarily apply to the whole population. <laughs> I think it's important to say that 16, 17-year-olds are politically engaged, but it's also important to say that we don't expect a random... 50-year-old who yeah. only pays attention to politics once the election cycle, that they have no expectation of political engagement to get a vote, and a 16, 17-year-old doesn't. I think it's a matter of enfranchisement and understanding that the 16, 17-year-olds, they can work, they can leave schools, they can fight fires, uh, but for some reason we don't think that they're uh, quote-unquote engaged enough uh, to participate in the political process. Mary? Um, I, I, look, I totally take your point and I'm in agreement with it. I think the point was raised earlier about whether young people might be susceptible to influence in... in Isn't in a everyone? Manner. Precisely. When we think about misinformation and disinformation, the broader population at large are I think my dad gets his news from Facebook. Precisely. You know? <laughs> so, so what we should be talking about, if, if our concern is levels of engagement, is about how we can enable widespread education to um, counter disinformation or misinformation or enable greater civics engagement at large for the broader population. It's not unique to young people. And it's worth just reflecting on uh, every time we come up to election, you know, organisations such as ourselves will go out and speak to voters, we will vox pop outside supermarkets, we will try to canvas the views. And overwhelmingly, you often hear, I don't really feel connected to politics. I don't 100%. feel reflected in politicians. I am not engaging. Well, Raph Epstein went out to Frankston leading into the by-election this coming weekend and some people didn't know, not, this is not against anyone whatsoever, but in terms of disengagement, lots of people didn't actually know who Peter Dutton was, right? So that, who was running for opposition. So when we talk about you know, having a test in terms of your political knowledge and background, Derm, maybe then if young people have to sit that test, shouldn't we all have to sit that test? A absolutely. And, I, and I, again, I would say that it comes back to that civics education. And if we raise it for one group, there will be a spillover effect. Informing people about the political parties is one side of that. 
the other side and the more important side is how does that system work? What does your vote count towards? How do, how is it counted? What happens when you walk into a into a polling place and there's you're handed a sheet of paper with twelve faces you've never seen before mm. and parties you've never heard of? I think it's really important to teach people about this is how this system works. And when, that's even before we get into preferential voting systems. Charmaine's in Reedy Creek. Hi, Charmaine. Hi. Um, thanks for taking the call. I've got three teenagers at home, um, one that's 17, one that's approaching 16, um, and a younger son. And I just think if we're trying to get young people like I have been trying to be engaged in our local communities, you know, as already stated, they can join the local fire brigade and fight fires. I think, well, um, they're capable of learning. I think perhaps sometimes we underestimate our children and how much their teens are actually aware of mm. and how savvy they are that they've grown up with this technology. Um, and I think if they're involved in school councils, they're involved in um, junior local councils at Mitchellshire, then I think it's the next step. You know, um, they put up with politicians dropping into their schools for photo opportunities. Um, why not let them have a say? Jared, it's um, good to hear from you. Thank you. And I'm curious as well as how many young people now are involved in their local councils and how many young people are putting their hands up to take it to that next step of being involved in politics. Do they see that as a way, Ed, maybe I'll put this to you, as making a change or do they feel a bit fed up with how the system works and that you don't necessarily need to go politically in order to make a difference and make a change. Yeah, for sure. I'd say lots of young people are engaging with their local councils. There's been a big increase in youth participation programs. Um, there's the Young Mayors that the Foundation for Young Australians runs. Then lots of councils are running their own youth advisory committees. I was in one when I was 15. But um, I think there's also this group of young people who are saying, we love being on these youth advisory committees, but actually, like, we're uh, maybe even more informed than our parents. We can vote. We can actually have our right to vote um, and not just be on this community and engage in that way. And as a counterbalance to that and uh, to what Charmaine was just sharing, um, Dean from Geelong says this, regarding voting for younger people, I'm ashamed by some of the oversimplistic and bigoted ideas I had growing up. And I had to learn the hard way with lived experience. I'm not sure I would have listened well enough at 16 to have learned a better way. And I worry that I could have voted uh, some and supported some heinous populist figures. Interesting reflections, and I don't think those are necessarily isolated ones. So what do you think? Should we take the lead and follow places like Germany, like Malta, like Brazil, and lower the voting age to 16? New from ABC Events. Experience one of the greatest musical theatre works ever written. West Side Story. Opera Australia's Handa Opera on Sydney Harbour presents this spectacular outdoor event under the stars with dynamic dance numbers and larger-than-life staging. West Side Story, the ultimate Sydney event this March and April. Tickets on sale now at abc.net.au slash abc events. 
smart speaker and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. What would happen if we lowered the voting age to 16? Maybe you've got a 16 or 17 year old in your life who desperately wants to vote. Joining you on this conversation from the Youth Affairs Council of Victoria, we have the CEO Mary Nager and Head of the Rural Department, Derm Ryan. Also Ed Kutch is with you, the National Director of Run For It, who was a part of setting up Make It 16. Let's bring in Judith Besant now, a professor at RMIT University who researches and looks into all of the fields that surround politics and and youth studies and policy and sociology, you name it, Judith. We've been discussing this, what feels like for eternity. Will we ever see it happen, do you believe? The thing to ask is why do it? And there are a few reasons. One is that it enhances the quality of our democracy and politics and we need it most. It increases participation. There are a lot of young have lost faith on um, politicians. Judith, we just don't have the best line with you at the moment. I'm, we're just going to get you to maybe stand in a different direction. I'm going to just pop you back on, on hold just for two seconds so that we can get uh, a, a better line there. And that's Judith Besant, who's a professor at RMIT University. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about is, in the spirit of stereotyping younger people, is maybe where the conversations are happening about politics. Because we know that we're dealing with an increasingly fragmented media environment, people are not tuning into mainstream uh, media in the same way, and that means they're not hearing conventional uh, political debate, if that is necessarily a good thing, uh, in the same ways. Um, I'm interested, Ed... Do you, do you, where are these conversations ha- happening? Maybe they're not about um, politics in the way we would understand it, but more issue space. Where, where do they tend to happen? Are they in more private internet spaces like chat groups? Are they on TikTok? Yeah, the places that young people are talking about politics is, is definitely changing and um, online and uh, TikTok and things like that are really huge at election time. Young people are bringing up the issues that they care about. I would say that one of the issues with the current voting age at 18 is that the onus is essentially on parents to educate young people about voting, whereas if we did vo- lower the voting age to 16, essentially it brings young people... Um, into the education system when they're voting for the first time and we can have these discussions whilst you're at school. And it's worth saying that last year, Greens MP Max Chandler-Motha went viral a few times on TikTok talking sort of passionately about, um, you know, housing, rental stress, corporation profits, things like that, and was reaching millions of people on TikTok in a way that the major parties could probably only dream of. And I think around that time Mm. there was an interesting conversation, well, how do we reorientate our political messaging so that we are actually reaching this younger cohort? How do we get on TikTok? Is that what you're how, how can I be cool on TikTok is a question a lot of us uh, I ask myself that every yep. day, Jeremy Story Carter. Actually, we might get into social media and the role of TikTok and politics in just a moment. But Judith Besant is back with us, a professor at RMIT University. Judith, hopefully we've got a better line now. Actually, let yeah. me throw that to you. The role of social media, TikTok and the like, does that increase engagement? in politics or political awareness for young people, do you believe? Well, of course, it gives them more opportunity than they have historically to get access to information and engage in debates. Um, But I'd I'd like to sort of take you back to the earlier conversation about how it's been going on for ages, this conversation. Mm. And we can look at Whitlam, who introduced lowering the voting age in 1973, um, Bill Shorten supported it. Keating made the right noises in that direction. 
We've had 2018 uh, Green Senator who tried to get it through and then the ACT in 21. And what's happened is that Labor said that they were supportive of it and they've changed their minds. You know, if you have a look at what they did in terms of the response to the bill in 2018 and then in 2021, they're saying that they are supportive of it, but really they're not because they went with the opposition and rejected the bill. So why so do you think, Judith? Well, to my mind, it's pretty obvious. They've said that um, they're doing it because they want to secure the compulsory voting regime in Australia and the solution that the Greens put to an objection that was um, if they lowered the voting age then young people would get fined and they would be exposed to the um, justice system. So there was a suggestion that they get warnings. Um, so it's being used as an excuse and my view is that that's duplicitous because the, in my view the actual reason is and the research shows this is that young people are voting more uh, progressively uh, either in, in the UK and in Australia, either to Labor or to the Greens. Um, and I think that their fear is that they're going to lose votes and that's a reflection of short-term thinking because those people who are 16 now in a couple of years will be able to vote. So they're opposing it. Um, and I think it's a sort of short-term term mentality where they've got to get through the next election um, and they're not really thinking about addressing the issues that young people want addressed. Which is a criticism in Australian politics um, ongoing. It's interesting because political parties do spend a lot of time, no doubt, um, having great anxiety over how do we reach this next generation of voters? How do we make ourselves relevant? But at the same time... Um, yeah, from what you're saying, there sounds like there's a fear almost that you could typecast a 16 and a 17, 18 year old voter in a very narrow, uh, as you, you allude to, sort of progressive, left leaning lens. Is that really fair to, to uh, for, for, for the concerns about climate? Uh, is it really fair to typecast an entire country of so 16 and 17 year olds in as that lefties? way? Yeah, I think that um, they're a diverse cohort like any, but um, I, I think it goes, the, the, the research is showing a generational shift. And also, if we just listen to people like our own Australian Children's Commissioner, Anne Hollands, she was talking about how young people were invisible during the COVID and they paid for it. And the same with the United Nations Agenda for Sustainable Development. Young people were missing. One of the ways that young people are not missing is if they get to represent themselves. And if we're serious about having an inclusive, pluralistic democracy, then we have to lower the age, uh, lower the age to 16. Judith, thanks so much for your time and your insights. Judith Basant there, a professor at RMIT University. This is from Sarah. It says, my 11 and 7-year-old sons both really wanted to vote in the voice referendum. I've met plenty of 30 and 40-year-olds who know less about politics than my 11-year-old, but they get to vote. That's from Sarah. When you talk about things like the voice referendum and other key moments where there is a 
a time of change when there is a time for people to vote on something beyond a federal election. Are they moments that could be used to be able to gauge whether or not 16 and 17-year-olds want to participate? Absolutely. Marriage equality showed us that. The, the uh, increase in enrolment skyrocketed. Uh, especially amongst younger people who were very engaged with that issue. And it, it wasn't even a referendum. It was a optional postal ballot. Um, but that, I think, is a good example uh, of people wanting to participate in democracy. And that is at the heart of what everybody has been saying here. We mentioned the idea of running a pilot at the next election. This is something you're... Um you know, broadly supportive of and are trying to workshop it through as an idea. Will there be sausages? I, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But will they be vegetarian? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That might be gluten-free bread. Now who's um, time-casting? But I am curious, Have you, when you're thinking about this, do you have a little gnawing thought at the back of your head that says, well, if we ran a pilot at the next election and it showed overwhelmingly that, uh, as Judith, you know, sort of discussed, that that cohort overwhelmingly voted a certain way, let's say, of a greener persuasion, and the data came out that... Does it, it sing to the argument? If, yeah, if you, if you in, in, um, enrich that, that generation to vote, they're simply going to be a block of votes for the, the Greens. Is that a, a real fear? I think like, the part of the problem here is no other age group or no other cons- constituency in our democracy is restricted on their right to vote based on who they're going to vote for. Um, I think it's really unfair that 16 and 17-year-olds, that we even have this debate around um, who would they vote for? They might make the wrong decision when they go to vote. Um, no one else has spoken to like that. It's an excellent point, Ed, and I think that if it was a pilot only in a number of seats, you'd have to look at the balance of those seats as well. So marginals as well as those ones that are that are of a particular persuasion and have been held by a party for a long period of time where you're actually testing the idea. I'm just going to throw this one at the end and I don't want anyone to comment, but this is interesting and we haven't discussed it. It said, what would happen with children 16 and 17 year old that don't vote and then are issued with fines? There's a big problem with children being fined and falling into debt. I think that's a potentially a part of it as well. We have just touched the surface and as I always do, I want to apologise to anyone that sent through a text or that gave us a call and we didn't get a chance to read them or to speak to you. There were simply just too many people. A huge thank you to Mary Nagar and to Derm Ryan both from the Youth Affairs Council of Victoria to Ed Kutch as well, the National Director of Run For It, who set up Make 16. Thank you so much for joining us today. Jeremy Story Carter, as always, mate, thank you. Cheers, Rish. Jeremy Story Carter, ABC reporter, lowering the voting age. It causes friction, dare I say. It causes friction, uh, but hopefully reflection too. Um, I have genuinely thought about this in a different way as a result of this conversation. And if you zoom out a little bit, whether it's actually younger people voting or not, the idea of people being engaged in the issues that matter to them, being involved in a local and a federal level, that doesn't seem like such a bad idea. So whatever form that takes, I think it's um, it's worth considering. Don't forget the Conversation Hour is also a podcast. If this is something that you would like to share, if you would like to share with a young person or you'd like to simply just pop onto your feed, whatever it may be, go to the ABC Listen app, download and subscribe to the Conversation Hour podcast. We've done issues if this is something that you like on everything from the role and the importance of youth workers 
through to, say, tomorrow's topic, which is, has kids' sport become too expensive? Have the days of your kid playing multiple sports, are they a thing of the past? Is it now pick one sport and stick with it? Or is even one sport too expensive for your child to be able to play? So that will be tomorrow. As we said, the Conversation Hour is a podcast. Download, subscribe, go to the ABC Listener. Take care. Speak tomorrow.